Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this week's edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. We got a great show for you here today. We're going to talk Virginia Tech football Maybe some interesting stuff going on with the coaching staff. The women's basketball team gears up to head out to Seattle for the Sweet 16. Transfer portal news on the basketball side of things for the men. A lot to talk about all episode long. It's episode 290 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, and it gets going right now. We record on Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023 from our high tech studio at the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center right here in Blacksburg, Virginia. We welcome you in, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you consume your podcast content, or if you're watching over on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe while you're there, and also turn on the notification bell so that you do not miss any future TSL content. Also got to let you know that Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. First Bank and Trust Company is the bank that puts you first. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. As I mentioned, we got a good show. We're talking football, women's basketball, men's basketball, all of it. Let's introduce the crew on set today. To my right, lead analyst and columnist Chris Coleman. Across the way, managing editor David Cunningham. Behind the scenes producing today. Oh, oh we're skipping around. All right, we're gonna go, we're gonna go behind the scenes, Carter Hill, and then in the fourth chair, founder and general manager Will Stewart. I'm your host, Giovanni Heater. Thanks so much for joining us today. And let's get right into the action. Football. Brent Davis. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna tee it up for you like that. <laughs> um, Brent Davis, if you've never heard of him, was the offensive coordinator at Army for the last nine years. Before that, he was at Georgia Southern. He coached under Paul Johnson at Georgia Southern during in that, in that option offense. Um, you know, it's funny. Yesterday morning, I saw on Twitter a flyer for Virginia Tech's football chalk talk this weekend, which is Bud Foster, a couple other coaches like Lauren Johnson, and, and then Brent Davis. And I'm like, oh, that'll be cool for the local high school coaches. Uh, Brent Davis, you know, he's not at Army anymore. He's unemployed, so he's got time on his hands. That'll be cool for everybody at the chalk talk. And then we go to practice. Uh, like an hour later and David comes up to me and he goes, who's the bald guy out there coaching? <laughs> and I'm like, he looks very familiar. And then we figure out it's, it's Brent Davis. Yeah. And the reason I noticed him is because Virginia tech was doing these run drills. They were and, read option drills. Yeah. And yep. it's the first time all year we've really gotten a chance. I mean, this is to be fair, this is practice number three. This mm-hmm. is Tuesday morning. This is the first time in the spring that we've gotten a chance to actually kind of see what the depth chart potentially looks like on the offensive line, on the yeah. defensive line, kind of in the front seven, you know, back seven without wide receivers and DBs. And there's this bald guy I don't recognize that's in the middle of everything, kind of or- organizing it and or- pulling the strings. Seeming to orchestrate the drill, yes. basically. And, and, and Chris immediately kind of knew who he was. Yeah. Oh, um, so it's like, okay, here's an option expert. 
and the coaches are on record as saying we need to run the quarterbacks more and we need to get more out of the read option game and I'm on record dating back to last year saying we need more from the running game with at the quarterback position specifically and now we have a guy who used to coach under Paul Johnson and, and who knows all an awful lot about option football seemingly coaching on the Virginia Tech football team now Virginia Tech did not address this no hire has been announced anything like that the next media session is on Saturday for Brent Pry, and he and th- a school spokesman says Pry will address the situation then. So we do not know exactly what role Davis is here for, but he was decked out in Virginia Tech gear, very actively involved in practice. Though yeah. it does not look like a consulting role, more more than what uh, an analyst yeah would be doing. Yeah, uh, so I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Pry yeah. says on Saturday. But to me, it's like. It's just another signal of the intent of what I think they want to do with the offense. And I'm not saying that they're going to go out there and run the spread option, the triple bone. option, or anything like that. But there will be more. <laughs> the, when they do run an option, I, 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 they, they wanted an extra set of eyes on, on their whole operation there. Um, so I, I think that's – I thought the whole offseason that was important for the program going forward. And, and Brent Davis and Brent Pry did cross paths. They were on the staff together at Georgia Southern. In 2010. Mm-hmm. So there is, there is familiarity there. So uh, we'll see what he says about the actual role. But, again, it's just another example of I, the direction I think they want to go offensively. I feel like if you're bringing in a guest or somebody to come in and 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 basically run a clinic type of thing, they're he's, probably, he's probably not, probably not running part in, of your practice, right? Yeah, well, yeah. that and he's probably not decked out head to toe in Virginia Tech gear yeah. either. Like that seems like somebody that's on the staff would be. Yeah. It's what it looked like. Yeah, we'll see what process. Yeah. we'll see what happens there. Um, and I mean, with the Army background, uh, I mean, everyone knows that Army literally that's their thing. They <laughs> yeah. run the option. He coached so. the offensive lines for a while. Yes. He was yes. he was there for like nine years, yep. and then was at Georgia Southern before that, which is where he and Pry uh, met and crossed paths. Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Again, there's an open practice on Saturday in Lane Stadium. Chris and you know. We'll have a couple of photographers there. We'll, we'll have staff there. So, Chris, you know, we'll find out more information from Brent Pry on who that is. I, of course, will not be there. I'll be in Seattle covering women's basketball. But, um, but yeah, we'll find out more. I, I know Chris is dying to ask Brent Pry oh, yes. more about more about these uh, this guy and who he is. And it seems like it could be a, a, a pretty help, help, helpful addition in terms of the run game. Yeah, absolutely. One question I have kind of piggybacking off of this is, okay, now they're kind of showing that there might be a little bit more of a focus on the option and uh, using a mobile quarterback than we've seen before. Does this give in this possible quarterback battle we're going to see anybody a leg up? Grant Wells has been talked about as maybe the better runner. Just kind of your thoughts on that. Wells might have a little bit better straight-ahead speed. He's not as big as drones. Right. They both should be able to execute it um i i firmly believe whoever the winner of the job is going to be the better passer okay um, yeah. i think they can both execute a read option uh, offense some of um and we we saw wells run a little bit last year and it was like he was quick. he's solid i think most of our best plays on offense came with him using his legs somehow yeah i, th- I think yeah. one of the things was what held tech back last year was there wasn't enough of it and 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 that seemed at times to be the only one of the only things yeah. right i think it comes down to more than just i think i think both of them chris said it best both of them will be able to run it 
Yeah. And I think both of them will be able to run it pretty well. I, I don't think that is the question. I think the question is throwing. And we're not we're not saying the quarterback's going to be out there getting 20 carries a game. Yeah. That's, that's not how okay. it's going to be. But it will be an important element of the Virginia Tech offense, and they have to run it more effectively than they did it last year. But they also have to improve on everything else right. as well. So uh, a lot of work to do. Um, we still don't, we don't know exactly what it'll look like. I, we, we're definitely going to see elements of the read option. I'm actually more interested personally in what the passing game looks like off of the read option. What are the RPOs going to look like? Mm-hmm. The play actions, the smoke and mirrors. Turn into some wake, it, it, turn in Wake Forest here. Yeah, right. Exactly. What 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 is the rest of? I mean, I know what a read option looks like. Yeah. But but what are how does well, how does it influence the rest of the game? Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, David wrote a fantastic article. Uh, go check it out over at Tech Sideline. But we're going to go through it here as well. Uh, notes from Virginia Tech football practice number three. David, you really kind of went through the depth chart a little bit. What it's looking like uh, at this point in time. So uh, I'll turn it over to you guys. Kind of break it down a little bit for us. Yeah, like I mentioned yesterday, um, or like I mentioned. Tuesday, yesterday's practice was the first time all year. And I mean, again, this is only the second open practice we got a chance to watch, but it was the first time we've actually got an opportunity to kind of pick out the depth chart. You'll notice that we won't really touch on the receivers. The receivers have kind of been doing their own thing. The one note I put down on receivers in my article yesterday was that Steven Gosnell, you can tell he's in much better shape. Brent Prime mentioned that to me in a one-on-one interview mm-hmm. and, um, I believe Fontel Mines mentioned that when we spoke with him. He was so, the first name out of out of Mines' lips, and, and in a passing drill last week, he was the first receiver to go through yeah. the drill. He and Ducker, he beat he, Delane. He, he beat Mansoor Delane. Grant Wells hit him mm, right on the money. Yeah. It would have been a touchdown if there were refs out there because they would have thrown flags on Delane for pass interference. Yeah. But, yes, he – from what teeny tiny little bit we've seen so far, he looks like a much improved football player. Yeah, he and Tucker Holloway, uh, Tucker Holloway's been been looking pretty good. But I, I don't think there's not a whole lot we can necessarily tell because a lot of it's catching passes against air. Against air, and you also cannot judge like the new running back, or excuse me, the new receivers yet because they've only been here for three practices. Yeah. They don't know the system yet, right? So. Yeah, um, but we can start on the offensive line if you want. Yes, um, um, so from from left to right, and I know this is something that you want you want to touch on, Chris. <laughs> um, Xavier Chaplin, Braylon Moore, so left tackle, left guard. Caden Moore is at center. Jesse Hansen at right guard. Parker Clemens at right tackle. That's the one. So Chaplin, Moore, Moore, Braylon, Caden, Hansen, and Clemens. Hansen and Clemens started at those spots kind of last year. Um, Caden Moore was at left guard. Silas Janzi was obviously at left tackle, and Johnny Jordan was at center. So a little bit of a shakeup. Brody Meadows is at left tackle. Johnny Dixon is at left guard. Ja- Jack Collifield is at center. Johnny Garrett, there's a lot of Johnnies. <laughs> Johnny Garrett's at right guard, and Bob Schick's at right tackle. Um, five of the guys in the two deep are redshirt freshmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and outside of that, Moore, Hanson, and Clements are the only ones with experience. They've got 72 collegiate appearances under their belt, but there's not a lot of experience and depth across the board. I uh, I don't have any comment right now about the pos- actual positions each guys are playing because Tech has a brand-new offensive line coach, and he's probably just learned, trying to learn his personnel. So maybe Brody Meadows is at left tackle one day. Maybe he's at right guard yeah. the, the next day. You know, there's probably some of that going on. But there are five redshirt freshmen in the two deep. So that's 50% of the two deep is redshirt freshmen. I just think the Joe Rudolph era is 
we're going to look back on it and say, oh, my God, that 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 was really, really bad. And I'm not talking about the product that was on the field last year. I'm not talking about whether he and Bowen saw eye to eye schematically. We, just, we don't know that either way. I know he, there's this thing that exists these days called the transfer portal, right? Everybody uses it. Uh, Duke used it last year to get three new starters on their offensive line. One who came from an Ivy League school, one came, who came from, I believe, a Division II school. And guess what? Duke got a lot better and won nine games. Joe Rudolph had two off seasons at Virginia Tech and just didn't go after, didn't go after uh, transfer portal guys. I guess he either didn't see any he liked or prefers to, to develop four-year guys. Okay, if, if you prefer to develop guys over four years, that's fine. Just communicate that to us, and then don't leave after one year. Like, that's a wasted year with, with, with Joe Rudolph in the program, in my opinion. Like, we could have at least – you can't tell me we couldn't have gotten transfer portal guys either last year or this year or both that could be in our two deep. Like, Tech had no depth on the offensive line last year, and we they just chose not to sign anybody. Uh, if that's Rudolph's preference – fine but it's a really tough situation when you're a long-term coach and you don't stay long term so it'll be interesting to see if now that Rudolph is gone who's available at the end of the spring practice when the portal opens up again and if Virginia Tech chooses to go out there and find an offensive lineman in the portal I think generally speaking that the talent is not there at the end of the spring as much as it's there at the in the in the December portal, yeah. uh, but anyway, seemed like a great idea to hire Joe Rudolph. But as it turned out, I think it's just wasted a year. Well, uh, yeah, I, I do think it's interesting though that a lot of those guys don't really have a lot of experience, right? Xavier Chaplin and Braylon Moore. Yeah. Um, some of those guys were involved, but they didn't play enough games to redshirt, or they they didn't play enough right. games so they could redshirt, Correct. right? Which is great, except I don't. I think there probably could have been. There wasn't a lot of depth built up, so I'm curious to see. Xavier Chaplin was listed as the number two left tackle on the depth chart all year, but then didn't play until the Liberty game, the yeah. last game of the season. There were a lot of guys that just didn't didn't play much, and now you're sitting here wondering, okay, Xavier Chaplin and Braylon Moore uh, have a combined 108 snaps under their belt, <laughs> and and you're they're going to be the starters, right? Um, there's no guarantee that they're going to be bad. You know they're they're not going to play well, um, but there's just a lack of experience there. Um, and I also mentioned Lathy Annum. Um, he's yeah. he's a guy that um, probably the top high school offensive lineman coming into the class. Uh, how he uh, you know by the time we're getting to the fall, how he's kind of jumped into that too deep. It, it will right. be interesting to keep an eye on. He's not in the too deep yet, but again. He hasn't even had his first college practice in pads yet. Yeah. I think he's a very talented player who could play guard or tackle. Um, we'll see. Uh, wouldn't shock me a bit if he was in the two deep this year. I wouldn't even be shocked if he was starting at some point. I mean, I look at Tech starters, and uh, all right, so J- Xavier Chaplin played like 20-some snaps against Liberty. Braylon Moore redshirted. Played a few games, but redshirted. Caden Moore, I think, is a good player, but he's changing positions. And I watched him snap one two yards in front of Grant Wells yesterday out of the shotgun and hit the dirt, right? So he's got to get used to snapping the football. So you don't entirely trust him at, the, at, the, at that position. You trust him as a football player per se, but you don't have the trust built up in him as a center yet. 
And then Parker Clements is coming off a tough year last year, but he's healthy now. So I'm inclined to trust Parker Clements. Hanson, you know, we got our first look at him last year. I wasn't very impressed, but I wasn't very impressed by anybody last year because I just don't think I don't think anything fit together on offense last year. So I, I don't think it was necessarily Jesse Hansen's fault. Um, I, oddly, I, I think the two tackles, like Clements, and even though Chaplin's never really played before, I do trust those guys. I yeah. think those guys will be good starting tackles for Tech. It's the interior that uh, that are, it's the major question mark right now. Let's keep going through the depth chart a little bit here. Maybe flip over to the uh, defensive side of the football or finish out the offense with the tight ends and running backs. Yeah, well, I don't know how much there is to talk about as far as tight ends go. I mean, it's <laughs> Nick Gallo, Daquan Wright, and Benji Gosnell, kind of what you expect there. We didn't see Harrison St. Germain. That doesn't mean he wasn't there. Yeah. There's like 100 dudes there, and we're in there yeah, for 20 minutes. I mentioned that we, to we can't yesterday. see everybody. Right. Um, um, there was one guy that wasn't there on the defensive side of the ball that we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned wide receivers. There wasn't a lot to take away. Um, do you have any any first impressions of, of Bayshaw Tootin? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we haven't seen him in tackling drills yet, but he was the first one through yesterday he in was. drills. So right now they view him as their number one running back. Right. As soon as he signed, I viewed him as Tech's number one running back. You know, like, Khalil Herbert was built like a tank, right? <laughs> All right, Tootin is not built like a tank. It's more like an armored personnel carrier. So he, <laughs> he, he's armored, but but not not as armored as a tank. Somebody's gonna uh, make a meme out of that. Yeah, he's uh, he's probably you know five ten, two hundred pounds, something like that. I think he'll be a durable back for Tech. Oh, at least I hope so. I'm probably just jinxed him, but I, I do think. I, I real I do think Tech can have good running back production this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he'll be solid, and if Malachi Thomas, I know Malachi Thomas can play when he's healthy, so if he can stay healthy, I like those guys. And then you got Black and Duke fighting out for the third spot. I was going right to say, now. are you surprised that right now Black is ahead of Duke? I well, kind I, I, of I, envisioned I, I, that being I said swapped. no particular order. I don't. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I apologize. I, I, right. I was going to get right. to them. It, no particular order. He's, so he, what they've been doing is they've been doing like two side by side drills, and so it's like Tootin and Thomas, one one, and then. Okay. Black and Duke in the second. So, gotcha. like, it's kind of just a foursome, if right, that makes yeah. sense. Right. Um, what I am interested in, and I don't know if I, I mentioned this. So, when, when um, in that Q&A thing I did with Pry, one of the things Pry mentioned when he talked about running backs is there was one of the running backs, and he didn't say who it was, but that that they literally could not put him on the field in pass situations last year because he couldn't block. And I'm curious to see how do how comfortable Tech is when we start to see more with with Duke and Black in the backfield in terms of them blocking. Because we know they're fine with Thomas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Thomas is... Oh God, what, was it one of those games last year where Thomas absolutely... Mo- or was it Keyshawn King? It was Keyshawn, it was Keyshawn King, King, King who absolutely yeah. mauled... Ma- that that mauled, was old, old Dominion game. Yeah, yeah, who absolutely mauled yeah. someone over. Um, I, I'm curious to see kind of that aspect and how how willing the coaches are to trust some of those younger guys back there blocking and passing situations. Cause that's mm-hmm. obviously important. Yep. Want to tie it back to Daquan right in the tight ends real quick. Gallo's probably earned that, that, and is that in no particular order as well? Uh, or is that, I mean, it's, is that it's, in an order? it's Gallo and Wright and that Wright are kind of sharing. How, how much do you think we've talked about it before? Could they be using Daquan Wright? To the like, I feel like Daquan Wright has to have a bigger role this year. Not oh, that he didn't yeah. have a big one last yeah. year, but he could be used as a, as a, almost a hybrid receiver 
tight end type which thing. is basically what he was used right. as last year. Um, he got used a lot in October last year and was very effective, particularly in the NC State game. Um, then for whatever reason, his snaps dropped off in November. I don't really understand that. He looks bigger. I mean, he was an he was an impressive looking guy last year, but when you look at him this year, it looks like he's had a good good winner in in the weight room. Does he look then, like a tight end? Or uh, he looks more like a tight end now than okay. he did last year. Okay. I will say that they're two different players. I know they're both listed as a tight end, but like. Not, who, who starts to pit, might yeah. depend on the formation Virginia it, Tech starts the game. And that, that's kind of what I mentioned when I when I wrote that uh, I I said it's exactly what you'd expect. Gallo and Wright will split time as the number one options depending on what the Hokies want to do. Right. Yeah, right. You can yeah. put Daquan Wright in the slot. Yes. Some. I don't think. Sure. Not that Gallo. That, I don't know if that's necessarily Gallo's forte. You know what I mean? Well, no, it's not. Um, so I, I think there is some flexibility, versatility. De- I mean, depending on what tech runs. Agree. Uh, it it just kind of comes down to that. But but they're kind of both the number one options. If that okay. makes sense. Cool. Let's go to the defensive side of the football. Yeah. Well, one quick note on okay. the quarterback, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. One of the one of the things that Chris and I have both noticed is. Damn, there are a lot of quarterbacks. It's too many. Tech, Trump, like watching Tech split reps. And I'm curious. I will not be there, so I hope you you guys kind of ask Pry about um, just what it's been like to try to split reps for the quarterbacks to start. Yeah. But there are six, six scholarship quarterbacks and a walk on that that Tech is trying to split reps amongst. Who's the walk on? Ben Locklear. Uh, they've got. Okay. So they've got because Wiki's on scholarship, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, so they've got. Uh, essentially drones and wells doing their own thing so they can kind of give them the number one reps and then every the other five are like in a in a group and and so I, I i don't know from what i could tell they're mixing it up okay for the for the top two guys sure. but i'm curious to see i mean I, I don't know how many reps a guy like Devin Farrell and Taj Bullock, how, how many reps those guys it's some, need? At some point, your third quarterback has to be getting more reps than your fifth quarterback. Correct. Correct. Yes. 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 So I think that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. As a uh, That is a play-by-play guy's nightmare as far as building our charts is there's no need to have six, seven quarterbacks on, on a chart, but you got you to gotta yeah. put them all well, in because you don't know. I think yeah. that well, Tech has to get down I'm to guessing eight. they're not going to have six scholarship quarterbacks at the end of the Tech spring. has to get down to 85. So some right. something's going to happen. Some, I mean, probably admitted that whether it was on here or whether it was in my interview with them, something has to shake out. Like, yep. like something's going to happen. And don't listen, don't expect the quarterback battle to end anytime soon. This is yes. a long-term thing. Kieran Drones just finished his third practice at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Kieran Drones. Uh, he doesn't know the offense yet. They have not played full football this year, 11-on-11 football. They haven't tackled to the ground. Um, there's a new quarterbacks coach. There's a new offensive line coach. I mean, there's a new, there's a new wide receivers who don't even know the offense yet, yeah. right? So this is not something that's going to happen by the end of the spring. I I don't think we're going to know who Tech's starting quarterback is until late August. Yeah, probably about a week out from the season. Yeah, Yeah, and I think, I mean, and here's here's the other thing. One of the guys might play well in practice one day. One of the guys might play well in practice the other day, right? I don't think this is like, like, it's not going to be like, oh, my God, Grant Wells had a phenomenal practice. Grant Wells is a starter, right? When When you see Grant Wells... Like Grant Wells was repping with the ones yesterday a lot of the time, and Kyron Jones was repping with twos. But I mean, they're both getting the same number of reps. Right. And, and don't t- take everything with a grain of salt. People uh, who thought Drones was going to come in and just be immediately the starter or win it quickly, 
they've never watched a practice. They don't know how the process works on a day day basis. He's got to learn a brand new system. In his career, he's attempted 1,023 fewer passes than Grant Wells. He only has two more carries in his career than Taj Bullock. He's a very inexperienced player. And now he's a very inexperienced player learning a new offense. Yes, which is on offense Wells is comfortable with. Right, right. It's not like he's some veteran senior coming in who's just looking for a new home for his last year. He's a guy who's like played in one game, yeah. basically, his whole career. Richard's sophomore, right? Right, right. He's got three years left. Kyron Jones is a long-term play for Virginia Tech. Yeah. Like, he's not, it's not, I mean, could he start this year? Yes. And you want there to be a competition, but it's no guarantee. But just because he, if he doesn't win it this year, doesn't mean he's not going to be the starting quarterback next year. Right. After a year of experience. You know what they say is, uh, if you have, Sometimes if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Yeah, which the is one, also an the, issue. The one that I do, one thing I don't want to see. I don't want to see the shuffling stuff going on in, all year long, in, like in, switching just, back. Yes, just pick one. Pick one. Sometimes that can be difficult if they're both bad, right? Or if the offense itself isn't isn't any good, right? Um, I think they both have the physical talent to be effective players for Virginia Tech. So. May the best man win. Ideally, the situation is they're both so awesome that it's you can't choose. But that's like, in the yeah. end, that's easy. If they're both awesome, you just pick one and go. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. But, Let's go to the defense. Yeah, well, we can start on, on the defensive line from left to right. The ones were Cole Nelson, Mario Kendrick, Snorrell Pollard, and C.J. McRae. The twos: Keyshawn Burgos, Wilfred Panay, Josh Fuga, Jordan McDonald. Obviously, Kendricks and Pollard and Fuga are all extremely experienced. Um, I think the guys that are worth noting that I didn't list right there are Malachi Madison, Lamar Law, and Gunnar Givens. Um, I think, I mean, with with the experience that Fuga and Pollard and Kendricks have, I feel like there's just kind of going to be a natural drop-off from the top three to the four yeah. and whoever else. Um but I'm curious to see how Malachi Madison, he made, he had some pretty good plays in, in some of the he did. stuff we watched. He had, he had a play where the, where the whole defense, including the coaches, just went up to him and, like, and were like, oh, awesome play. You blew up that play. Yeah. And then we got congratulated. So and he, he's, big, he's bigger than Panay. He, and he played a little bit last year, which shows that of all the guys at defensive tackle that they redshirted last year. So him, Law, and Gunnar Givens, Madison was the guy ahead of them. Yeah. So I, I do think that the fourth spot is open, and if it's not Panay, then Madison would be the most likely guy yeah. to win that job. Right yeah, now. I'm curious to see how that battle plays out. But but as far as the, you know, as far as the stuff at end, I don't think any of that kind of surprised me. I did I did notice afterwards. Uh, I don't think we saw Feldarius Payne out there. My guess is he's still <laughs> recovering from his. Well, I saw him in the first practice last week. Okay, so maybe so, well, maybe it's just a maybe well, it's just a conflict or something. Yeah, you, you especially for older players, sometimes in the spring there can be class conflicts. Yeah. Like for younger players, it doesn't matter as much. But if you're like a senior, or you're in grad school, or, right? And okay, you need to take this class to, to graduate, and it's off, and it's just it's offered once per semester at this exact time. Yeah, you know, you, you if, it, if it's offered at nine, if it's offered at nine a.m. Oh, you Tuesday, to, Thursday, you have to go to class. Yeah, yeah, right, something like that. Exactly. So uh, you see some of that in the yeah. spring. Uh, so just because a guy isn't at practice doesn't mean they're not on the team. It doesn't even mean they're hurt or anything like that. It could just be a class con- conflict. Yeah. So, I. I don't think there's anything unexpected going on on the defensive line. The starting defensive end jobs are are open for competition right yeah. now as well. All right, let's move over to the uh, linebackers. 
kind of, I feel like what you would expect. Now, I will note that Alan Tisdale was unavailable, according mm. to Virginia Tech yesterday. Mm. Um, Keonta Jenkins at Sam, Jade McDonald at Mike, and Kelly Lawson at Will. Those were the three guys repping with the ones. J.R. Walker at Sam, Matt Johnson at Mike. He's a walk-on. Yep. Uh, he was on 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 uh, tri- uh, the Triumph Spotlight yep. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh, and Jaden Keller at Will. Um, those were the guys repping with the twos. Jenkins and Walker were obviously solid at Sam last year. Yeah, they were. And Lawson's potential is kind of off the charts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything kind of stand out to you as far as the linebackers? Those two, they look the part, man. McDonald, McDonald, and Lawson. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lawson can still get bigger too. He's Lawson's still going to play NFL he, ball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think McDonald has that potential too. He is a big guy with range. Now it's it's just it's important to remember that he was a strong safety at Salem High School mm-hmm. and. And then he moved down to linebacker. And last year, he practiced at all three linebacker spots at various points. I mean, that's a lot of movement over over a very short time. Now, I think they're just going to play him as a Mike. Yeah. And he's going to have a secondary. And he practiced at multiple positions last la- year. Last year. Uh, I mean, his second secondary position is Will, but I don't. But Tisdale can play Will. Lawson is the starter at Will. Keller can play Will. Um, uh, will Johnson can play Will. You know, so there's a, there's a number of guys that could play Will to the point where I think you leave Jaden at Mike and get all, get him all his reps there. He's still a raw player for that position because again he's a former safety. But I, I think I think if you can have a big rangy Mike linebacker, like I think so many of us think about middle linebackers in in the old school way where you could go out there and be five eleven like Zach Thomas or, or Ray Lewis or somebody like that. Now, like, but, like, I would not have thought Tremaine Edmonds would be a middle linebacker in the NFL. Because yeah. he... he, he but now he's, he's getting paid. He's getting paid, right. He's getting paid. Leaving my bills and, for the Bears. And he won't even have to play in January. That's the best part of his deal because <laughs> he plays for the Bears. But anyway, um, I think uh, he, he's just a guy who... Uh, once he picks it up, has a chance to be a very, very good player, and his work ethic is extremely strong too. And you can say that for both the McDonald's. Because of the way this is written out, is Matt Johnson ahead of Jaden Keller right now as far as depth chart? No, goes? they're they're two different positions. They're two. Okay, yeah. so okay, this is not Mike, a, okay. Mike and and Will. And right. again, I, right. I, my guess is John, Matt Johnson is probably the third I, guy at Mike I'm, with I, Tisdale. I'm guessing they're working Tisdale at, at Mike right now. Right. Uh, so on a, if if Tisdale was there, and we don't know if he was in class or he's hurt or whatever, right. but uh, when he's there, he's working at Mike. I don't know if he's working ahead of McDonald or behind him right now, yeah. but Tisdale is one of those guys. He's so experienced. Like it doesn't really matter too much. Like, Where? Like, I would pr- practice him more at Mike right now because he's less experienced than at that position, but he can fill in at, at Mike or will. Yeah. So you, you don't, you he's, don't worry he, too he's much. Give, he him. gives you some versatility. Yeah. And I think it's kind of build up the other guys at positions. They're really, really good yes. at and then throw Tisdale in where he fits best. Exactly. And so I, I think tech is in a better position this year because they're practicing McDonald primarily as a Mike without yeah. a bunch of switching around. Same thing for Kelly Lawson. I mean, he was at, he was at Sam and he was at will last year. And it wasn't until later in the season when he became like a primary will yeah. that he really started to, to make progress as a player. And uh, so I think it's important now that they know more about those young players. And yes, they have a secondary position for all of them, but 
now they're older players and you know what position they're going to play and the majority of their reps come at that position i think they can develop better now let's fly through the secondary real quick cornerbacks and safeties so dorian strong and monsoor delane starting corners comes no surprise Derek canteen and Freshman Antonio Cotman, early mm. in, early enrollee, are, are the other corners. I think it is important to remember that there is a slew of freshman DBs coming in pretty good over ones the summer. Too. And a yes. slew of freshman DBs who are injured right now as well. Yes. Cam, yeah. uh, Cam Johnson and Devin Alves. Alves and Elijah uh, Howard as well. Yes. Uh, they're all... Uh, kind of nicked up. There are a lot of guys, and, and Nike Johnson. No, uh, yeah, or maybe not Nike Johnson. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Howard. I meant Nike Johnson. Yeah. yeah, there are a couple different guys that are, that are banged up right now. Um, but I, I don't think I really, you know, strong Delane Canteen's kind of what you expect. Cotman, I think that's kind of the yeah. The, the uh, I've heard like he's doing he's doing pretty well so far. Yeah. Is, is what we understand. They, they like his mentality. Uh, he's got a long way to go from a technique standpoint. Like he came from. He, I don't think he came from the most advanced. He came from a, a high school program with talent, but it doesn't have like the most advanced player development, I'll say. Uh, so he's got a ways to go from that standpoint, but the mentality is, is there and the size is there. I don't know. Will, will he remain fourth if you know one or two of these injury injured guys comes back? I mean, we'll see, but I, I think from what we've seen so far, uh, I, I think he's a he's good start the, to his career. Yeah, so I think far. the coaches through three practices. I think the coaches trust him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at safety, Jalen Stroman this year, people's what you'd expect one, two. Um, Jalen Jones and Mose Phillips were I, the other two guys in the two deep. And I remember you said yesterday at practice, you're like, man, Mose Phillips looks yeah. like a college player. Remember when we watched his highlight tape and I'm like, I know Will this, remembers. this guy's going to kill somebody. And he's also <laughs> going to get some uh, uh, penalties. Yeah, well, I mean, he might get ejected at some point because he just takes people's heads off. So they're doing that seven-on-seven seven drill the other day. And... They're in shells, so they're not allowed to tackle to the ground yet. And you try telling that to Moe's Phillips. <laughs> like I, I mean, yeah, so like whenever a tech defender would tackle somebody, the coaches would come up yell, uh, yelling at him, keep him up, keep him up. And they, they had to say that to Moe's Phillips a couple times. <laughs> he's just, he's not, honestly, honestly don't like the three-quarter speed practice because you're, you're always worried as a player, and I even go back to high school with this. Like you're always, if you've got the ball in your hands, you're always worried that that defender is just going to tackle you anyway. So you want to go into him in case he comes at you hard. And he's thinking the same thing. He's like, I'm going to pull up on him, but what if he? What if that running back comes into me hard and just runs over me? And then I could get hurt, right? Yeah. So you got two guys that aren't supposed to be going 100% into each other, and then they end up going 100, 100% of each other. And sometimes I think that can lead to more injuries than a drills where you go 100%. Like, for example, Malachi Thomas got hurt in one of these drills last year where the <sighs> defender was supposed to pull up and not tackle the ground, but he did it anyway. And some of that stems from uncertainty of, I don't trust the other guy to pull up. Right. And I'm, so I'm going to protect myself. So I don't. This is, I'm going on a tangent, but I don't really like drills like that. But, uh, but yeah, but, but, you, but you put most Phillips in a drill like that. I don't think it's natural <laughs> for most Phillips to be in a drill. Yeah. Like that. Well, and I asked, uh, we talked to Derek. So we talked to Derek Jones, Dorian Strong, and Derek Canteen yesterday. Um, and I asked, uh, Derek Jones about Jalen Jones, no relation, obviously. Um, and he said that Jones has adjusted well from playing wide receiver last year and is taking pride in playing safety, though he's still 
learning the position. This is what Derek Jones said about Mose Phillips. Quote, he's going to challenge for a lot of playing time at that position because of the mindset he has. And that's, I mean, he's a coach's son. So yeah, He likes to hit people. <laughs> yeah. If, if he makes a mistake this year, it's not going to be like, oh, I'm not strong enough. Yeah, or I'm not tough enough. It'll be like a targeting call. He didn't like, know where to go. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know. But, yeah. Uh, no, nah, I'm, 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 he's, he's, he looks like he's going to be a really good player. He has that look about him. All right. We're going to step aside and uh, we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, we're going to talk women's basketball. That's coming up. Episode 290 of the Tech Sideline podcast continues after this. Welcome back to episode 290 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We're going to toss it right over to Will Stewart as he subs in for Chris Coleman on the set. Yes, sir. We've got a new sponsor for the next couple of months, Virginia Green Lawn Care. Win free lawn care for a year from Virginia Green. Virginia Tech is partnering with Virginia Green to help create healthy loans all across Virginia. Register for a chance to win free lawn care with Virginia Green for the 2023 season. That's a $600 value. Entries are being accepted now through May 31st, with the winner being announced around June 1st. Visit virginiagreen.com slash VTTSL to register for a chance to win virginiagreen.com slash VT TSL. So a very cool business started in 2004 now has 250 associates. I love a, I love a small business success story and they serve Richmond, Midlothian, Williamsburg, Charlottesville, Fredericksburg, and Northern Virginia. But more so than that, they're spending a lot of advertising money with Learfield and some sponsorship money with us. So show your support by going to virginiagreen.com slash VT TSL and registering for a chance to win. Awesome. All right, let's dive into our women's basketball conversation here. Will, wanted to toss it over to you first. First time this team has gone to the Sweet 16 since 1999. Second time in program history that they're going to make that trip. So bring us back to 1999. Bonnie Hendrickson was the head coach here at Virginia Tech. What was that time like, and how is it both similar and different to what we're experiencing right now? Uh, it was crazy. They didn't charge for women's basketball back then. Tech had uh, surprised people at the end of the 97-98 season by winning, winning a game in the tournament. And Virginia Tech, I read this today. There's a great article in Roanoke Times uh, talking to Bonnie Henriksen, so I recommend you go find it and read it. Um, Virginia Tech started out that season 18-0. and They were the last undefeated women's basketball team that year. So were they very, number one in the country? No, because they they were not ranked to begin the season. They played in the Atlantic Ten, mm. so there was kind of some stuff there. Right. And uh, but so the momentum just built throughout the season, and then that Sweet Sixteen at home. Uh, I've talked about this before about how the first game against St. Peter's was sold, sell out ten thousand fans. Now Virginia Tech was a four seed, so in the second round they played a five seed Auburn in Blacksburg, and that was a much more closely matched right uh game than the ones you saw this past weekend and uh the 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 castle coliseum crowd for that auburn game was at 9800 and it was one of the craziest crowds i've ever seen in castle including men's and women's games so uh bringing it back around to this year i got a chuckle out of uh in in the friday game saturday game friday game friday game when <laughs> you could tell liz kitley was a little amped yeah. Because the first time she touched went the ball, for, went up for the tip. She, she, yeah, she went up for the tip early. She threw a cross court pass that sailed yeah. way out of bounds into the crowd. And then the third time she touched the ball, it was one of her patented 
turnaround fadeaway jumpers, and she was trying to dial it back a little bit and basically shot an air ball, yeah, left right. it short. And so I just, I think Chris, uh, no, my brother was was with me. He was visiting, and I turned to him and I said, "She's a little pumped up. It's going to take her a little while to get used to it." Yeah. Now Georgia had no such problem. I think she hit yeah, her she first shot. You know? What What do you remember about the the Tennessee game in '99 in Greensboro? Uh, how much and and Bonnie said said this in her uh, yeah, she talked to Mark Berman. She said uh, she said Bonnie used the word tough a lot to describe her team, and they were a very Virginia Tech was a tough team that year, and and Bonnie said so toughness wise we were ready, but Tennessee was just so much bigger than we were. There wasn't much we could do with them, and I remember that I sat right behind the basket at that game down in Greensboro. I was about three rows back from the floor, and you got that right away, yeah. and. You saw against Tennessee back then something that you're, I think you're going to see this weekend too. They're going to run seven, eight, nine, ten players out there. And Virginia Tech has a very good first six or seven players. And mm. back then they did also, but they just couldn't continue to run the numbers at it. Yeah. So let's bring it to uh, present time. Let's preview Tennessee a little bit, this Sweet 16 matchup coming up. Yeah, well, I think I think this is a really good game. Oh, so, so today is... Today's Wednesday. I had to make sure I didn't say Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. We talked to Kenny Brooks this morning. Um, we talked to Kenny Brooks and Elizabeth Kitley, and both of them said this is a completely different team than when Virginia Tech played Tennessee. And I think we should note that Virginia Tech and Tennessee have played four times since 2015, till so four times in the last 10 years. Before that, 99 tournament game was the last time they had played. And Tech is 2-1 and one under Kenny Brooks. Tech has won three of the last four meetings with Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's gone up and down and up and down, and that one that Tech won in Knoxville was kind of, uh, I guess, an upset, right? Tennessee was pretty good, and Tech went down there and upset. That might have been Kenny's first year, or maybe that was Dennis Wolf's last year. Yeah. Um, but uh, but they met earlier in December. Tech yeah. won 59-53, I believe, in or 59-56 in Knoxville. Um, th- this is a... This is going to be a really interesting battle. I'm very curious to see how it plays out. 59-56 in, in December, and it was the same day as the Tech-North Carolina game in Castle uh, on the men's side. The men's side. game, yeah. I'm so curious to see how this plays out. Um, Tennessee's different. Tamari Key, who played in the last two games for Tennessee, 6-6, right? She can match Kitley's size. She's out for the year. She played in that in that game in December. Uh, their, Tennessee's other... Uh, really, really good player. Um, uh, uh, completely forgetting her name. <laughs> Rakia Jackson is is the other big man. She did not play in that first game for whatever reason. She's six two. She's a forward. She's very talented. She'll play this time around. So a little bit different personnel in terms of what Virginia Tech wants to do and what what Tech's expecting. But um, this Tennessee team's really, really good. But again, the Hokies beat them in Knoxville. Like I think. Tennessee's obviously rolling lately, and a lot of Tennessee's losses have come from really, really good teams. But I think it's important to remember that Tech's losses have also come from from pretty good teams. Outside of the one Clemson, like the Clemson loss was just Head's out cruncher. there. Tech, Tech's losses came against Notre Dame, who's in the Sweet 16, Miami, who's in the Sweet 16, and Duke, who was a couple possessions away from being in the Sweet 16. The way I've kind of viewed it is that it's almost like, yeah, it was awesome that Tech beat him down in Knoxville early this season. That might as well have been last year at this point. Yes. These are two completely I, different teams. That, and this was before Tech went on their win streak, but Tennessee's also gotten a lot better as well. Um, and it's almost like 
It's almost like they never played. I, I don't think you can take anything away from that game. Right. As, as David said, the personnel at Tennessee has changed. Liz Kitling went three of 13 that day. Right. Uh, as I remember, Georgia didn't have a great game. And mm, I right. think Keanu Georgia Trailer. was two of 14. Two, yeah, all right. So now, if they played in the end of January, that's one thing. Yeah. But they played well, all the way back in well, December. So I, so I asked Kenny, uh, I asked Kenny a, a little bit about it. Um, I kind of said, I didn't ask him specifically that question. Somebody else had already done it. But but what Kenny's answer was essentially was, we know how fast they're going to play. We know the style of basketball they're going to play. Elizabeth Kitley said, we know they're going to rotate like three centers in there. And I have to be ready for all of them, right? Tech knows how. Tech just doesn't know necessarily... Like, Tech's not ready for the personnel, right? Like, right. it's different personnel, so to speak. But Tech knows how they're going to come out there and play. Tech knows that they're going to come up and play really quick. Tech had never played Chattanooga before, right? Or at least not in a couple of years. Tech kind of knew what Pop, Sean Poppy and Chattanooga were going to do. But it took them a couple possessions to settle in. And I think this is gonna kind of going to be a, a similar thing to... If Tech played Notre Dame again, for example, right? Tech and Notre Dame didn't play until late December, early January. I think if Tech played Notre Dame again, it'd kind of be a similar thing, right? Where you feel each other out for a possession, and then you know exactly what everybody's going to do. And I think Tech knows they're going to play fast. But I, but I agree. I think I, I think this is these are two completely different teams now. Um, if you remember, Virginia Tech, this was the first game after the Nebraska game where Ashley Owusu broke her finger. Tech was trying to figure out things. Okay, Ashley Wusu is not in the starting lineup anymore. How do we figure that out? Well, Kayana Trailer came in and scored 18 points. Led, led Virginia Tech. Um, what what Liz, I asked Liz Kitley what she remembered most about, it, and she said there were a lot of times where we were discombobulated at Tennessee. And I think there were a lot of times where Tennessee's pressure got to Tech. This is a completely different team now on both ends, Tech and Tennessee. I'm very curious to see how it plays out. I, I think it's I think it's going to be a very even game. Yeah. I, I watched uh, Tennessee play, who was it they blew out? Toledo. The, Toledo. And you can't really take anything away from it because Tennessee looked awesome. Um, they were making everything. But certainly you can see the size and the number of players they rotate in. I'm not sure how fast they are, literally, you know, just literally fast. And that may be something that Tech can use to Virginia Tech can use to their advantage. Trailer and Amor are fast. Soul is athletic, you know. So we'll see how that kind of stuff breaks out. A um, couple other things to know about Tennessee is, at least according to somebody on our our message board, they have the number one strength of schedule in the country. Mm-hmm. And if you look at their losses, they have something like ten or eleven losses on the season, which sounds like a big number. But you look at who they've lost to, and it's a list of one, two, and three seeds in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. Tennessee, twice to South Carolina. Tennessee is, Virginia so Tennessee's 15th in the net. Yeah. And, yes, yeah, strength of schedule, they're right up there. Um, I mean, again, one of their losses was to Virginia Tech. They've lost to South Carolina twice, but, again, South Carolina. UConn, um, they lost to they've UConn. They lost to UConn. They lost to Mississippi State, who was, was in, in the Sweet 16. Um, they got upset. Sweet 16. Um, but Mississippi State was in the tournament. It's Ole Miss that's Ole Miss in the Miss upset. Yeah. Uh, Stanford, um, yeah. This this I think again. This Tennessee team is good. You mentioned depth. They played. Uh, they went six deep off the bench. 
off the bench. They, they scored, played that's forty five some starters off the bench, Tech and then played what? two, three deep off they, the bench. Max Tech played three off the bench. They played six off the bench yeah. in that first game. Yeah. Uh, now, to be fair, they only scored six points off the bench, but they scored a bunch against uh, the other night against Toledo. Yes, um, which it kind of makes sense. Jordan Horston in that game, and she's really good. She's six two guard. Think of. Well, probably a little bit of taller Taylor Soul who can stretch the floor and shoot it. Yeah. Um, she's got size. She's got athleticism. She's really talented. She had 26 points. Uh, 9 of 24, though. She took 24 shots. And again, I think that's kind of like, if you remember, Will, when Tech played Louisville in the ACC championship game, where Haley, and, and when they played Louisville earlier in the year, when Haley Van Lith, she scored a lot of points, but she took a lot of shots she's to a volume get there. Shooter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of the style if you're <laughs> so in Georgia. Tech. 19 three-point attacks. That is true. Second most in program history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I, I think people keep saying, uh, oh, they, they don't, like, they, they Toledo's not that good. It, like, they, they would have blown on anybody. Toledo upset a five-seed Iowa State who people thought had a chance to make a run in this thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, Toledo's good. And Toledo had and a 17 win streak. really Really good against Toledo. I'm, I'm, I won't lie. I'm a little scared of Tennessee. Oh, I'm after again. I've only seen them once, and it was against Toledo. Right. I'm very worried too. And then the worst part is if you make it past Tennessee, you got to you, you play. got a UConn team. Right Unless behind. Ohio State upsets UConn. Does anybody have a harder path, assuming UConn wins to the Final Four, than Virginia Tech? And no, it's the. I mean, we said this is the this is the hardest region in the tournament. Yeah, it goes back to the selection show when they said who's got the which one seed as the toughest path to the Final Four, and all the commentators simultaneously, oh, Virginia Tech does. You got to yeah, because you you could have had to match up against. You might end up playing Ohio State if you make it to the Elite Eight or UConn. Carolina could have been in that mix. Iowa State was supposed to be good and not get upset. Yeah. Tennessee was in there. I mean, it was an absolutely loaded region. Yeah. No doubt. Well, um, David's going to head to Seattle tomorrow. Yeah, Exciting excited. stuff. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's going to be good. I think I've got confidence that Tech will, will, will match up very well with Tennessee. I mean, I think that's just a familiarity. Remember, I mean, they played last year too, right? It's not like Tech has not played Tennessee and like, like when Tech, like playing UConn will be interesting. Um, UConn's rolling lately, but also because there's a little bit less familiarity there, right? Um, but Tech has seen Tennessee, this will be Tech, Tech and Tennessee's third meeting in two years. In two seasons. So yeah. I think, and, and Tech... Tech should have won the meeting in Blacksburg, for those who remember the, the meeting year last year. Tech should have won that game. This is a matchup I think Tech will be prepared for. I would be concerned about if you make it to Monday and play UConn in the Elite Eight. That is quite a script. Like, to play Tennessee and, and play UConn. The and remember, two most historic women's basketball programs yeah. ever. So back in the day, as part of that that. It, it may have been that 98-99 season, but certainly, well, Tech wasn't in the Big East back then. This was after Tech went into the Big East. They played UConn at home. Virginia, Virginia Tech had a good team, and UConn came into Castle and got up 24-4 to mm. and won the game 90-38. to Oh, my gosh. Um, no, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen this no. time around. you know. Um, but so going back to that 99 Sweet 16 game, Tennessee – I, I, they probably won the national championship that year. Um, you know, they only beat Virginia Tech by 15. It wasn't like they ran them out of the building. They controlled the whole game. Um, so I think it's important for, uh, let's assume Tennessee is on a roll. And what we saw against Toledo is 
more who they are and not just a one-off. It's up to Virginia Tech to, after playing uh, uh, South Dakota State and Chattanooga, Chattanooga and South Dakota State, yeah. Tennessee is going to be a level above that. And and weather the storm, take the first punch, yeah. hang in there, and then well, come I think, right and back I think it's him. important that Tech starts off on the right foot, remember? Well, there's a reason why Virginia Tech, again, has won 13 games in a row. Yeah. There are only two teams in the country that have won more than well, have won ten plus games. Those are number one, South Carolina, and Virginia Tech. Those are the only two teams in the country that have won more than ten games in a row. And and there's a reason for it. I mean, yes, again, this is a a, a different battle, but again, it's a, a familiar opponent. Somebody's text somebody's text seen earlier this year. I, I view it a little bit as playing somebody in the ACC. So playing a team, it'd be like playing Notre Dame. Again, so a team that, that you only faced once in the regular season. Or playing Louisville. Now, this would be playing Louisville a little bit like... There's a bit longer gap, obviously, between when Tech played Louisville the first time and then met in the ACC tournament. But again, this is somebody you've seen this year. You can go back a little bit to, to what you talked about. And Tech knows... Tech did not play great basketball in that first meeting and still was able to win. Um, starting out hot is going to be key. Tech did it against South Dakota State. You're in Seattle. I'm curious to see Tech's flying out. It is 2.37 right now as we record. Tech flies out at 4 o'clock, I think, today. They're going to get to the Pacific Coast. They're going to have a chance to adjust to the time zone difference. Tennessee, UConn, are gonna, and Ohio State are going to have to do the same thing, so it's not like nobody else is doing it as well. But I think this is an opportunity. I, th- I, I expect Tech to play pretty well against Tennessee, come out on the right foot, come out and, and kind of punch them in the gut and see what happens. UConn is the one that kind of makes me, makes me question whether Tech can do it. But, I mean, this team's won 13 games in a row for a reason, man. And it's not as if... Like this is nowhere close to Knoxville. This is Seattle, so I don't it's not think like either team will travel that well. I don't know. If, I, I, I don't bet, know. If, I bet Tennessee I don't, travels fairly well. I think well. Tech and UConn, and I think Tech, UConn, Tennessee, and Ohio State will all travel pretty well. I mean, those are all big brands. Again, they are. There, I think. I think there are. You have to put this in perspective, right? This is the greatest. I would argue this is the greatest Virginia Tech women's basketball team in program history. It's just so far away. It man. is so far away, but and it's it so far. Like it's an it's expensive so far, trip, but it's from so what far away for UConn and Tennessee. I mean, remember. Tennessee's an hour or two down the road, right? It's not close for anybody. No. So I think this is going to be a pretty level playing field. And I think it's going to be interesting because on the other side, you've got Colorado, Iowa, Colorado, Iowa, Louisville, and somebody else. Stanford's not in it, right? All these teams are from the East Coast. I'm curious just as a whole how teams in Seattle kind of – weather the environment when there aren't, you know, there will be a certain number of their fans there, but it's not going to be like they're playing at home. These are hugely important games and the crowds probably won't be all that big. Yeah. No. Um, Now I will say this just because of the long, the decades long tradition that Tennessee and UConn have, I think the fans that they do have there were outnumber tech fans two or three to one. Yeah. So we'll we'll see if that's true or not, but how much is that going to matter? What's the difference between like if they have 800 fans and you have 400, it's not that big a difference. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that uh, wraps up our show today. Uh, thank you once again to uh, our sponsors who, who brought this. We got Virginia Green, yes, uh, our new sponsor, uh, and, and of course, as always, First Bank and Trust Company. Virginia Tech, Tennessee, going to work. That is six o'clock tip off Friday, six thirty p.m. Eastern. 
Eastern. Three thirty Pacific. That's another thing. Middle of the day on Friday. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have uh, Saturday. 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 I'm gonna have have to adjust all that. It's a Saturday. Saturday night tip. Six thirty. Eastern is it ESPN two? ESPN two, yeah. Right. It's gonna be. I tell you what, it's gonna be a good between the men's tournament and the women's tournament. It's gonna be a really good weekend of some college basketball. There Absolutely. are four ACC teams in the tournament, and I, I mentioned this to Geo earlier. Kenny mentioned it on his on his Zoom call earlier today. He was texting Miami head coach Katie Meyer after her game. Like he's like, I don't think I've ever cheered as hard for Miami. He's like, it was like I was a Miami alum, right? You're you're you know the other ACC coaches are cheering for other ACC teams. Notre Dame's in it. Uh, Louisville's in it, right? Louisville is also going to be in in Seattle. Kenny and Jeff Walls are are pretty good buddies, so it's going to be cool to to see how the ACC shakes out. Miami yeah. played very well against Indiana. Um, there's going to be good basketball on both sides. Ironically, Miami's the only other ACC team left on the men's side. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Good time to be a Canes fan, right? <laughs> both both your men's and women's yeah. are in the uh, Sweet Sixteen. All right, that wraps things up for today. Um, check out. Be tuned, Twitter, techsideline.com. David's going to pump out absolutely great content out in Seattle. Um, everything else coming up. You got softball this weekend. Baseball. Um, baseball. So it just keeps on football uh, stuff continuing. Too. Yeah, don't forget. We'll have some, Chris will have some football stuff from uh, from Saturday's open practice. I'm Perfect. Sure, so. All right. Well, we'll see you next time on the Tech Sideline podcast for Carter Hill behind the scenes, Will Stewart on set, Chris Coleman in the other room, David Cunningham. I'm Giovanni Heater. See you next week.